Hello and welcome to Living the Present Moment with Dr. Joel Ying. This episode is recorded live Thursday, November the 8th, 2018. On this series, I interview people of passion and purpose doing interesting things, living the present moment. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Joel Ying. I'm a physician, educator, storyteller. You can join the mailing list. Visit the blog and the calendar online at livingthepresentmoment.com. That's livingthepresentmoment.com. I'm excited about today's topic, which is music together. My guest today is Luke Verhan. And uh, just a little bit about Luke. Uh, we met recently at a plant-based nutrition retreat with Dr. Stoll down here in Naples, Florida. But Luke was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, and he now lives in Fort Collins, Colorado, where he graduated from Colorado State University. He studied liberal arts and sociology, and that's just the formal stuff. But uh, (laughs) at the retreat they were at, I was doctoring and helping manage folks on diabetes and blood pressure medicines to make sure they were safe during the retreat. But uh, the retreat was also a lot of fun, and there was a talent show, and as a storyteller, I couldn't resist telling a story. So there was also music, singing, dancing. And one of the strangest things of all was pillow spinning. Now, it's as odd as it sounds. Uh, we had someone who had been pretty bored watching television, and during the commercials, he learned the skill that he wanted to show us, and he showed it off with all the flair of the Harlem Globetrotters spinning basketballs on their fingers. He was spinning pillows on his finger. (laughs) Uh, How are you doing, Luke? uh... Oh, man, I'm doing good. It's uh, really good to... uh to be uh, asked to talk to you today and it was uh, just a great time uh hanging out with you that week and meeting you and uh, getting good inspiration from uh you and others there um so yeah just really good to excited to talk to you oh good well i'm glad too i was uh inspired to talk to you after we chatted just the things you're passionate about and one of the cool things of course is your proud father of a son who turns three in december Correct. Um, yeah. What's uh, what's what's the coolest thing about this age for your son? Yeah. So uh, it's been a nice journey, but yeah, he's turned three, and the coolest thing is him becoming more aware of himself and his uh, abilities in the world. Um, it's really neat to see. He's like, I know I can make these things happen, I can explore boundaries, and just the idea of being created without limits that adulthood will bring, it's really fun to see. Obviously, that can lead to frustration, and he needs to find safe barriers, but the uh, pushing of that is just, it's actually inspiring as an adult, because it kind of realizes how many limitations maybe you put on your own brain just because that's the norm or society or whatever. And it's just nice to see the willingness to break rules to learn them at that age. It's uh, a very interesting thing. Oh, that's cool. So kind of seeing the rules that we don't even know we have, the children, your, your kid is helping you see. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool that you had looked for a Waldorf Cool. Um, and the reason I think it's cool is because I know they teach through story. And I was just curious, um, because storytelling is 
integrated in their curriculum. I'm sure that's not the reason you <laughs> you went out there looked for that. So I was curious how how you got how you got interested in finding that for your son. Yeah, so um, he just started at the uh, Riversong Waldorf School in Fort Collins, which is a, an amazing little nonprofit community school. Um, well, you know, it's an age to be like, well, two, two and a half, you're like, he needs to start interacting with some other kids and, you know, ready to, for him to be in a, an, a structure outside of home. And so as you look around, you know, he's done a day of daycare here, a babysitter here or there, you just, you kind of, you're looking for um, something to enrich him. And my wife uh, does hair and does the hair of, a lady whose kids went there, and she's also a big donor at the school because she's so passionate about it, and then we fell into it that way. So doing the research and then learning all about Waldorf and realizing, like, wow, what a great philosophy and what an awesome experience that he's going to get to have because mm -hmm. they teach through story, and, uh, and it's just kind of an amazing thing. They let – the goal is to let kids – be kids and really let their imagination go and they do it with the story and the song and also um, less stimulation honestly so they have really intense and uh, specific and intentional toys and settings that allows them to be more creative and maybe with less stimulation so it seems like oh that might be a somebody look oh, a boring playground compared to you know a super playground kids go to but it's got a hobbit hole and there's a story behind their hobbit hole and the the little mound that they built and there's a reason why there's steps up there so they just have like a an imaginative look at the world and uh it's really cool huh. and for as a parent looking in how do you see the stories integrated like what what happens? Yeah, so what's really kind of interesting is um, they don't give me like a framework of this is the story that's exactly happening. Um, I know that kind of the topics or the festival or the, the thing they're focused on for the month. And then I kind of, as a parent, it's kind of fun because you kind of absorb it through him over the week, you know, um, and learn what they're doing. So they have um, – there's always like a ritual or something coming up. So right now they're going towards uh, Martin Moss or the Lantern Festival. So to build up to the Lantern Festival, which is, you know, an event where you do like kind of a quiet meditative walk through a field of lanterns, which is kind of bringing light into the darkness of winter. So we have less daylight winters here. You light lanterns and you kind of go and reflect on that. So what's neat about their philosophy is they help build the lanterns over the last few weeks, you know, doing all the work and painting. Even at that age, they help the teacher construct. So they see the, the work behind it. Then they get into their circle time, which is their, their story time, and they tell the reason why, and they all participate in that. Um, so that's really neat. So I, I learned kind of from the outside of knowing the events that are coming and then also how he kind of brings stuff at home. So we'll be walking along at home and like, hey, that's a gnome forest over there. And for me, that was just the trees along our walk path. And now he's got a whole envision of uh, there's a gnome forest that he kind of goes and shows me. So that's how it shows up in my 
uh, interaction with him as he's just beginning. So I'm not as deep into the stories as I will be as he progresses. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was also struck by, uh, you know, how involved you are with your your uh, son and uh, you told me about a program called Music Together and I'll let you talk about it because it's just fascinating. Yeah, so, you know, music is a common thread throughout my life and passion and, uh, you know, I've never pursued it as a career or an instrument thing, but it's always there. I'm always in passion and always a big fan, collector, etc. cetera. Um, so now you have a kid and... I want to share and have fun. You know, there's lullabies and you get the bucks and you sing, but looking for something a little more. Um, And then once again, my wife, who's the really the doer of the relationship, she's uh, researched and discovered some programs and also had friends that had done it. And uh, it's a program called Music Together. Um, It's been around since 1987, I think a a group developed it. Um, Kenneth Gilmartin and Lily Levinowitz. So they, instead of the, they look to reinvent uh, early childhood music. Um, and it's really amazing. So they use neuroscience and philosophy and early childhood development, all these like actually research-based and scientific things to make music classes fun and playful. Um, so once my wife knew there's one nearby, um, we signed up when he was, gosh, he wasn't even almost nine months, so really glad I got him in really early into the, the class because the ages are, you know, babies all the way to, like, five, so it's a mixed-age group. Hmm. Um, yeah, so it's weekly program, so it's, like, a week, once a week, and there's teachers that have been trained, and most of them are, you know, professional musicians or former music teachers or just people that are passionate about music making and, and, and children, and they guide class. And uh, it's just it's just really neat. What's, I think we talked about this a little bit on the trip, is so much music, the European tradition, and just in general music comes through us as fans. We go and pay and observe a concert, or we go and, you know, just listen to it. We're mm. passive listeners and fans, and it's still powerful experience. Well, the philosophy of music together taps into another tradition of we're all participants, and it's mm. an active communal experience, which is what's so cool about it. Um, even at the youngest age, the kids watching and participating and playing in the in that setting. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, I. I just love the name Music Together and bringing music to us as a community experience um, in, in those traditions where people sing community songs together, like the, I don't know, like like in camp where you're singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat and all this. <laughs> yep. I, I uh, looked at their website, which is musictogether.com for anyone else out there who wants to look it up, but musictogether.com. And it's... Fascinating. I, I love the videos of kids of all ages, just like you said, from babies to five years old, you know, baby to preschool, and they're all 
enjoying the music and they're all participating and they're all interactive. It's really, 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 really cool. Even even the babies. So it's really fun. Um, I, uh, from from your perspective, what does a typical class look like? Yeah. So um, what's really neat is there's a ritual element to it um, over the seasons, over the class, and, and per session. So it's really fun is right, the, the communal aspect is, you know, you start with uh, waking up drums. So you'd come into class and usually is six to ten kids is the right size, you know, depending on the room, maybe 12 or gets a little too much. But, uh, yeah, so we have big floor drums, and the kids just kind of start by waking up the drums and uh, singing together with that. So it's, you know, a drum roll and a couple different styles of drums, and the teacher always leads these things. Um, and what's cool is the teacher, yeah, the kids follow the teacher, but the kids are obviously looking at your the parent or the caregiver for the example. So really, I follow the mm. teacher, and the kids, you know, absorb what they do from the teacher and you. So, you know, uh, the idea is there's no wrong way for a kid to do it. If they don't want to play the drum mm. that day or they don't, it's really neat because a lot of times they're just there's observant learners that he'll go home and all of a sudden he's playing the drums at home, but in class maybe just watched. Um, but you wake up the drums and just start that way, finish that, and then the kids get to learn little skills besides music, like let's put the drums away. So they always have to clean up the drums and get rolled away. And then the big tradition of music together is the hello everybody song. So teacher would get out the guitar, everybody sits in a circle, and they sing and welcome each kid to the class by name. So it's really neat. So you just, uh -huh. you know, strum the guitar and hello, everybody. So glad to see you. Hello to Billy. So glad to see you too, etc. So you go around the room, every kid gets their name called and welcomes them. So you kind of learn each other, the kids as well. So the parents become friends and that's really neat. So from there, the class is turned, there's a, a songbook that they follow every semester, three months, it, it, it changes. And um, so yeah, the teacher will pick her, she has her list of songs for the day and they'll rotate each week, but repeat over the semester. So you keep learning them and doing them in different styles. So yeah, you'll do mm -hmm. some sitting on the floor after you sit on the floor and welcome everybody. Then it's, you know, you'll get up on the feet and dance to another song. Um, and part of a really neat thing, I think it taps into one, how you kids learn music and how cultural traditions uh, have, have done music. The communal thing is like the call and response is a huge mm -hmm. part of it. So you'll finish a song you know, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes and let's say you finish that song and then it'll be a call and response session of just tones or sounds or words. And that's a it's learning music because we call it audiation. At the end of like a verse, if you, the silence is the part where the kid's brain processes the next sound and really starts to learn. So What's really interesting, it's the music making and the sound is the real important part, but that little bit of silence and allowing the kid's brain to catch up and then expect what would be next or responding to is a huge part of their, their learning of the music. 
And as your kid, and my son has done it for a while now, he's filling that gap where we, the parents, you know, will be silent and see what the kids do. And many of the kids will finish the verse or say the sound or, or, or audiate because their brain was ready for it. Or the younger kids just maybe it's quiet and in their own head, they're, they're forming what the next sound would be. Um, so there's a lot of that, you know, ooh, ah. Uh, Ooh, uh, uh, and the kids would repeat that and all different versions of that throughout throughout a class. So, so you go from dancing in a circle, sitting down, playing a drum, um, and then each class you'll pull out an instrument. So, you know, it could be drums one day, like a small hand drum or sticks or a bell, and those will be integrated into a song. So you got three sesh, three different songs with an instrument, you know, five different songs where you're dancing in a circle um, mm. and then sitting down and doing a lullaby and singing a goodbye song. So that's kind of the basics of it. So it's very keeps kids engaged because you're always up, down, moving, dancing, and you're getting the music through sound, visual, instrument play, and also in your body, you know, bouncing up and down and stepping different ways. So it really comes down to how good these teachers are at making it seem like an effortless hour of fun but obviously the, mm. the thought behind it, the practice, I really respect these teachers because they're able to do that and learn all the songs and then create a, a safe and fun environment. Um, so that's basic, basically a class. And then, yeah, they sing a goodbye song and everybody's name gets honored and says goodbye and we'll see you next time. It's really, really fun. Wow. That's what a, what a beautiful thing to share with your kid. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I love really what you mean. said about oh, – go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I love what you said about the silence, the, the gap between the music that you leave for the kids to fill in. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it's called audiation, um, and it's, it's really neat. And so, yeah, so we'll do a song um, where you just leave off the first word and then say the second part or do it the other way or just – that pause at the end. So kind of is a nice way in philosophy and life is kind of the, that little bit of silence might be a, something to sit on and value, right? Cause we're mm. overstimulated in general. Um, so it's something I take from that is really neat. Mm. I, I love the mission of the whole program, just bringing, you know, bringing the world together with music and starting them off so young. That's beautiful. Yeah, they say uh, making the world a better place by making it more musical. And so, ah. uh, one, and it says it creates, and I, I agree, it's singing and dancing creates deep bonds, you know, with families, communities, and cultures. And how true is that, right? Like, wedding yeah. or any celebration or our immersion, it's like the music side and the dancing is, it's just something humans need, I feel like, and uh, we always find a way to express it um, in different ways. And I'm really drawn to the older traditions of the communal experience, and one reason I really like the um, – yeah. Mm. Oh, that's really beautiful. Uh, I I keep saying that word because <laughs> it is. But uh, making the world a better place by making it more musical. Hmm. 
You, you remind me of a workshop that I went to called Building a Vocal Community with a friend of mine, Isai Barnwell, and uh, she talks about the that that community experience of singing together really binds people together. Just the, the act of singing in community creates a resonance that says people will stop to listen and people will feel the community um, by by uh, singing and by uh, just by listening even. Um, yeah, so absolutely. I, yeah, and and then what you said about our tradition really with an experience with music in the West is often going to see someone perform and sing a song and and so we're just listeners. And so this community aspect that, that you find in many traditions of call and response from Africa or India and other places, um, and even in the, in the West we have it as well, but, but it's sort of gotten lost today where, where we, we, um, we're not together a lot. You know, we're, we're, we're across the miles electronically through some sort of media or just one-way communication through a television or, you know, um, or off of a computer screen. So it's, it's, it's great being together with music and being in community and having yeah. community songs. Yeah, Where did the songs I, uh, in the curriculum come from? That's beautiful. So, yeah, you talked about um, other cultures and stuff. And the, the beautiful thing about the program's development um, is the complete diversity of styles. So mm. different tonalities, different cultures, meters, rhythms, even in different languages throughout a song. So like this semester, we're in the fiddle songbook. And there's everything mm. from an Israeli folk dance in that language, you know, in, in Hebrew to uh, like an Irish uh, melody as well to some like Shenandoah, an American uh, hymn that's just a standard, I guess, um, like a lullaby song. So the diversity of songs they expose kids to, I think, is part of the research and the fun of it. So it's not repetitive and boring and you get exposed to just really interesting big variety of music and then they rotate so there's like i believe nine song books so if you took your kid for three years which we're almost to that point you you get to the point where you would repeat a song book and then you'll come at it from a whole new perspective after all this musical learning you've been doing for a few years in class and so now we're about to start to repeat a song book because we've been doing it for almost three years now or you know two and a half so um, but yeah, that diversity is, is really, really neat. Um, yeah, and part of the dancing and song in a circle is like our teacher, um, Jane Smolens, and she's the teacher uh, that we have, and she teaches along the front range of Colorado, um, based out of Boulder, Colorado, but she teaches in Loveland, Colorado, and helps guide the program for other teachers in Fort Collins, and so she has a little, you know, business of, music together classrooms and yoga studios and church rooms and dance studios where she has a, a group of teachers and a, a bunch of class options for people. Um, but yeah, the, uh, it's, it's, 
but back to the her parents, uh, Jane Smolin's uh, mom was a traditional folk dancer, um, Israeli style, and did professional dances in like New York. So she always brings in a little bit of teaching, uh, you know, some of those circular, celebratory, uh, you know, Middle Eastern folk dances that are just super fun. And she teaches us some of those steps um, in class. So that's part of the diversity of the teacher and uh, the, the curriculum that, that comes through. It's really fun. So, you know, we're, we're learning a fun song and dancing, but we're also learning a little bit of like a, another culture's tradition or a celebration song. Wow. That, that diversity is really cool, just uh, the exposure from such a young age. What, wow. What do you see as far as changes? I, I know it's hard to say, but uh, as far as that exposure to music, what do you see with your kid? Yeah, so the development for him is has been really interesting from, you know, when they first start going there, he's young, eight, nine months. You just He's crawling around and watching and observing, and you don't know what they're learning yet. You're kind of dancing around as a parent, and, it's kind of funny and then you know as a little time progresses they learn the ritual and they know they're going to have the hello song to tell them hi and they get exposed to all these this different music in this class system at home it'll just get exposed so from things like now he's at a point where he'll lead the call and response and Mm -hmm. uh, have me follow up with a song so that's where stuff like that where uh you know he'll he's and he'll make up his own words to it which is part of it there's no right or wrong uh way to learn music right so so he'll do a call and response and make up his own words around the house now um which is a pretty big step from just crawling around class and sort of maybe banging on a drum a little bit to now he's you know having me respond to his own lyrics so that's amazing in two Mm. two years right that that growth of a of a brain um and now you see your kid through the exposure of different all those different styles they have favorite songs so he has you know i like that song or uh so he'll request different things and it might not be the things that are in dad's cd collection and things i've been a fan of through my life but um you know he'll like the uh crawdad hoedown song which is a very like a, a country uh you know square dancing type <laughs> tune and stuff and he really loves that and you know i do too now and uh, it's just so that's kind of where the exposure is just open even at that young age they hear you know, music is more than you know uh maybe what you would be exposed to otherwise it just opens their eyes and more so even the parents eyes i would say yeah, you're taking the music class for kids, but it, it really is for the, the parents as well, right? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. What have you gotten out of the classes? That's awesome. Um, for me, well, a funny one would be better, just better singing, right? Like my wife's like, man, you cannot carry a tune. Like just not good at it. So you know, maybe on the American Idol scale of judging, still not a singer, never was, but very comfortable now singing and singing uh, a few songs at bedtime and just around the house if we're cooking or cleaning, it's just now a song. 
Um, and it just makes it more interesting. And I've noticed he's going to be more excited for vacuuming because it's now something that's just a tune. So for me, it definitely just and bringing music and tunes and playfulness with it home and in normal activities um, is really where it's, you know, come up the most as well as reigniting my passion for music and uh, exploring new music that I've had for a long time. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, kind of reignites that through uh, sharing it with my son and wife, which is really neat. So yeah, we'll sit at home and they have a songbook part of their curriculum it's like a colorful neat songbook so the whole point of class is yeah it's one hour a week but you really learn by playing at home and so now at home we'll just flip through a songbook and they have pictures so it's very kid friendly and then we'll just you know freestyle a music session based on the songbook for that semester um so yeah just making me more musical i think it also taps into there's creativity that comes out of tapping into that part of your brain and you know, it just feels good. So, yeah, more singing and uh, believing in yourself as musical is, is part of it. And I think that underlines a philosophy, I think, that very much we're um, culture of, like, you have to be a perfect singer or really good, you know. You get judged to be, you know, on singing, let's say, competitions that exist. And as a, a lot of people are afraid to sing or dance because they're afraid maybe to, and I have been in the past, of, not looking good or being good or good enough and the beautiful of sharing it with the kid and and through this program is there's no wrong way you know like <laughs> you think you're not a good singer just sing with the kid they don't care the judge the lack of judgment from children for your pitch being off or not being good or a funny dancer is it's not there they don't have that so uh mm. i think that's something that's really nice to take from as you get you know, older, you get, I'm self-conscious, so you don't dance or, you know, I'm not like singing, I'm afraid to do a karaoke or whatever. So I think that is something that's really valuable to take from it and to learn from children is mm. that three years old, there's no, you're a bad singer. He might tell me to be quiet so he can learn the lyrics, <laughs> which is part of their learning, but uh, there's no judgment on the, the being uh, out of key, you know. Hmm. Great. I love from your perspective, too, it opens the world of music to uh, anyone who's not professionally in music. Yep. That's, that's, like you said, there's no wrong way to learn music, and so the kids just learn in whatever way they do. And um, reminds me of when I was talking about that class, it was through the vocal, it was through a, um, a an oral tradition, rather. And uh, there's nothing written down. There's no notes being written in, in the class the way she teaches the community songs, really. They, um, uh, she starts with uh, um, a lot of spirituals and songs like that. And and the way you teach kids, it's also an oral tradition. You know, they hear it and they reproduce it and so forth. And, and you remind me of one of the things that she told me uh, later on when we were talking about that oral traditions. There's so many young kids today who learn music a new way and they uh, there's so many avenues like YouTube and other things where you can release your music but opening up, like one of her passions is opening up music schools to people who just need the professional background. They've learned music a different way, a non, 
a non-quote-unquote non-traditional way, which I think it's really more of a traditional way, uh, <laughs> in a way that opens up creativity and, and, and what you said, it just feels good. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of in the building on the kids, this beautiful Music Together program, um, and I'm really fascinated to learn more about the classes you just mentioned of, for anybody to come and learn in an oral tradition in way, which you're right, is a more traditional way because now you can search best guitar player in the world and try to emulate their finger movements, and it's just amazing. You can learn that from any distance and anywhere, but it, uh, it also maybe creates an expectation of how good you can be or, or something, mm. you know, a little bit versus just playing with it. And uh, I heard a really interesting quote because I'm into dance music um, and some of the dance music culture um, as I, you know, not as much now going out to dance in the, that scene, but there is a communal element of it. And a, a quote by Moby, that artist, uh, you know, electronic artist, interesting guy, he goes, talking about, you know, the dance and rave culture in, like, the early London scene out in these fields. And he goes, humans, you know, do this. They said, he said, you don't need to teach anybody how to dance ecstatically in a field at 1 a.m. It's mm. something people just know, you know, and do. And there's something to, you know, I mean, the spiritual, like, right, the choir is a part of churches and part of spirituality and song is a huge part of that. And for people that maybe not in the church tradition, I think there's certain elements of a good, you know, dance show that is somebody's church and is their spirituality and is their connection in that release of just dancing ecstatically hmm. throughout the night. Um, that, that taps into that maybe that they might be missing in some other part of their in modern culture that is, you know, like say we're not together a lot, but that scene has some of those elements, um, which is really powerful, I think, for people. Hmm. That's a great quote. You don't need to teach anyone how to dance ecstatically at 1 a.m. In a, in a field, you said. <laughs> yeah, something like, something like that. But uh, And that taps into... You know, how did people, how did you get into music? I think it's before you were born, right? You know, it's your heartbeat for one. And just, mm. it's part of everybody. There's, it's just there. And one thing I learned that's really interesting, don't know much about the brain science, but I, I read something about from some Harvard, I believe Harvard's researchers found in doing CAT scans and studying brain imagery, they found like six neural pathways that were only activated by musical sounds. So all these other normal mm -hmm. sounds you hear, and then they, they played them. And so maybe our brain specifically, just the implication of that is our brain has a thing that's just waiting for music or is built for it. Um, and the mm. implication of that and the brain science of it is obviously very fascinating where that can go. And it has gone with therapy and helping people with, you know, different, you know, uh, recovery from many different things. And, um, but our brains might actually scientifically be hardwired for, for music, uh, which is really fascinating and interesting to see where that research leads and has led. 
Yeah, that that is quite fascinating how it wakes up parts of your brain, you're saying. That's great. Yeah. Uh, how did, uh, you, you obviously have this passion for music and things you talk about. How, how did your own passion for music start? Yeah, um, besides, you know, the born with it fashion, right? Like, um, <laughs> and like the philosophy of music together to all kids are musical. Um, and my son's getting exposed early age. I, I really wasn't. So I just wasn't like we played songs at home or my parents didn't sing or really none of that. Um, I really got exposed to my older brother digging through his cassette collection, you know, the dates in the eighties, mm. obviously <laughs> looking at his cassette collection and especially interested in the ones that was the era of, you know, parental advisory, explicit lyrics right on the front. And he was really into hip hop and, you know, all these groups. And as a younger kid, it's like, Ooh, we're not supposed to listen to this. So I really was wanting to listen to it. Right. And, uh, so I kind of got into it just from my older brother's tape collection. Um, and just got into like, you know, hip hop and a little bit of dance music, of course, some rock, but going off to college at Colorado State here in Fort Collins, there's a nice uh, musical scene. Colorado's a great music scene, music area, good venues. Um, and they have a really good college radio station up here. And there's a few songs they played that just kind of like, wow, music can be is different, right? So versus popular songs on MTV I had and, you know, my brother's, you know, fairly popular hip-hop stuff and all the normal, you know, popular stuff I listened to in high school. I heard a few songs that really, like, expanded my mind and made me want to dig deeper into that style and genre of um, poetic hip-hop and stuff. So uh, there's an artist named Atmosphere, and there's a song that came on. It's called The Woman with the Tattooed Hand. And I would recommend anybody just play that song. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of poetry put down to a, mm. a lyrical song that I've ever heard. And I was like, wow. So that was a, one song that really kind of got me into it. So then um, the other Jurassic Five, another group that really fascinating in a song called, I believe, Concrete Schoolyard. So those songs I heard on just the, you know, college indie radio and really got me into down a path of uh, really exploring some interesting independent, you would say underground hip hop. And I dug into record collecting and got turntables from there. So that was my real deeper dive into music and started promoting concerts and stuff like that and mixed records and got into where I lived with a, moved in with another roommate that had turntables and he was into house music and dance and electronic producing. And so from there, we kind of collaborated and really, you know, had a lot of fun with it there. So that was kind of where I got into me. But a few songs just on the radio that really kind of spoke to me. And, um, yeah, just loving the poetic nature and the dance uh, immediacy and then the potential, you know, social and political commentary of hip-hop and the pure fun of it. Um, and then working in a few restaurants with some people they exposed me to a grateful deadhead and he showed me that and he was into the beatles and jazz and then digging through records exposed me to a big wide range of music and so that's when i expanded out to to many other things and genres so that's kind of the snapshot of it um mm. yeah 
Wow. <laughs> Thanks for taking us through the landscape of music in your life there. And, and I love that you've come back to it and brought it back to your kid with music together. I, I, I'm just floored that there's even a class like that, that I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here like, Oh, I want to go. First, I have to find a kid to take, but uh, yeah, what you can do. Um, and yeah, the vision they've had to take it. It's, I think it's, they say 40 countries and, uh, 3000 locations. So it's, a uh, it's something that's thrived and they're still evolving and putting out new songbooks and keeping an app and making it relevant. So it's a, a living and thriving community and program that reaches a lot of people. And, uh, I hope people that maybe have a young kid or will look into it and just it's it's quite amazing. Oh, that's great. Yeah, just that oral tradition and singing and dancing and music together and just teaching us how to be together again, I think is really a spectacular mission of this uh, group music together, and and like you said, their their explicit mission is making the world a better place by making it more musical. Uh, it's just fun. <laughs> it's just fun to say. <laughs> yeah, it's really neat, and uh, seeing it how it like the the late effects of the learning in a child, and how obviously from like I said, one years old to just observing and tapping a thing to now, you know freestyling lyrics and call and response in just a couple of years. I can't imagine as we keep musical play at home and in his life where it would go from there. Um, but it just makes the day better and more interesting, mm. you know, to have music involved. Right. And, uh, oh, that's, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Like I said, it's class for the kids, but it's really valuable. And I think for the parents and the community aspect. For some reason, I'm remembering that scene from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs with Whistle While You Work, and they're all <laughs> having fun. Yeah. When you said vacuuming, the vacuuming is a song and everything becomes a song. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny how you're, you're bringing it into just everyday life. Like you said, it just feels good and makes life more fun. Yeah, and, uh, and the, it's just proven and even in the reason it's just good for your entire learning right music learning mm-hmm. say it helps all learning it kind of opens you up to learning language and all the other side of it um, is layered on top of that so it's a great foundational piece but it truly I think it's, it's proven to help kids and adults and all forms of learning and creativity um, yeah yeah and I I've noticed that exact- as well yeah, I don't know the exact research, but I have read that where you said that it op- it awakens parts of the brain that um, many people think that it really helps us learn better in uh, other fields, even just like math and science. Having the background in music really opens up something in the brain to creativity and, and uh, better learning and and better researchers and scientists in those fields as well. And even better doctors. Many doctors are, are, uh, have some musical background as well. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> Look forward to the the hospital room with uh, the communal music uh, playground 
at some point. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. What a great idea. Well, or in the office, you know, but, uh, yeah, that research is really interesting. Uh, and, you know, I'm definitely looking to explore into more of where they're at with that. And it's, it's really fascinating. Mm. Well, uh, thank you, Luke, for just bringing music into music together into my life. Uh, just to be able to talk about it and also into all the people who will listen. I, I think it's uh, really fantastic what you're, you know, taking your own passion and reawakening it from when music was a big part of your life to bring it to your kid and then now uh, reawakening it for you and and uh, living it, you know, just living with music and, and, and everything. So that's, that's great. Yeah, um, just been amazing uh, program and visionaries to to bring this as a program for for children. Absolutely. Uh, um, any other things that you would say to uh, folks listening about music and their um, especially music for kids and all that? Yeah. Um, my f- final thought would be. There's no right or wrong way to to try and play and be with music. So uh, I encourage exploring the diversity of it out there, maybe even exploring their website if you do have a child, uh, musictogether.com. And as a parent, how enriching it has been. So I think that whole idea of I'm not a good singer or not a good dancer or whatever, maybe just reconsider and uh you know just mm-hmm. try and maybe look for a class or uh, a place to to do that because uh it's very enriching and it just feels good <laughs> it just feels good <laughs> well thank you again uh to everyone out there and also to my guest today luke burhan and our topic of music together. Again, find information online at musictogether.com. That's musictogether.com. And again, as Luke said, uh, everyone can sing and we can all sing together. Thank you everyone for listening to People of Passion and Purpose Doing Interesting Things, Living the Present Moment. Again, I'm Dr. Joel Ying. Stay tuned for more from livingthepresentmoment.com.